1: Welcome into No Nonsense, the Tennessee Titans podcast. Your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. You'll hear from them in just a second. But as we get started this week, um, I think we all probably want to start a little differently than we usually do. Uh, the, The Titans community lost someone last week that... Uh, was near and dear to, to very many, and, and I don't know, you know how, how close really the three of us were to, to Matt Neely, uh, but, but he's someone that I know all three of us had a lot of respect for, and when we heard about his, uh, his passing away last Thursday evening, uh, it, it was really shocking, and uh, he's someone that the community of, of Titans fans and Titans media members uh, will, will dearly miss.
0: Yeah, it really was shocking and surprising. You never want to see that happen to anyone. But Matt really, you know, he kind of captured the hearts of of every Titans fan just because he was so passionate about the team. Uh, he was also hilarious that that kind of that kind of helped him, uh, you know, get it get a really big following. But he made a lot of really good content. Also, a lot of really good video content. His memes were fantastic all the time. So we're definitely going to miss him. But yeah the the fan base it, it probably won't ever be the same without him. He was such a core piece of Titan's twitter. Uh, and it really does feel like 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 we took uh, a big part of it out uh, with with his passing,
2: yeah, I mean, it sucks. like, any part of Titans Twitter that's not vindictive or just kind of like analytics or like purely focused on the game that kind of comes from Matt Neely, at least in my mind, he was the first person I saw to do, you know, just like, I mean, it sounds like stupid and insignificant now, but to do just like funny, like Marcus Mariota memes and like him photoshopped on like Jesus and all those funny things like that we had seen. And, you know, he was sort of the root of all that. And he was kind of a rallying cry, like, for people to not take football as seriously, but to also still be okay with being devoted as much as all of us are to watching the game and understanding the game, it, it's it's truly saddening.
1: And Will, we were just talking literally last week as we were recording the episode on, I believe it was Tuesday evening like we usually do, about bringing him on the show, right? You can you yeah, brought that like, up. Yeah,
2: I, I'd, I'd said something because you know I think you posted the uh, screenshots, but we had talked to him initially about getting. Uh, I think yes. we wanted Lawan or Compton on. I think we wanted Compton, Compton specifically. Yeah. yeah. And uh, this was in the preseason, like you know, and and he like I, I don't I don't know what was going through his mind or whatever, but he uh, it sounded like he thought that. um he, we wanted him to come on and at the time we had not thought about it like we were just like we knew he was the contact to kind of get in the door and talk to them and then like like you said like a, a week ago we were like you know it'd be really funny to get like matt neely on and talk to him and just talk to him about how he's kind of changed titan's twitter and like made it a bigger network and sort of connected everybody yeah. and like how how it's you know how it started like a few years ago to where it is now and how that kind of led to his career and we we were talking about having him on and how fun it would be and then like you said like it felt like the next day it felt like that we were talking about you know is this real like is this just a joke like what's going on and you know it was real
1: and and you know uh the funny thing about that is, I did post the uh, the screenshots from those messages, and one of Matt's uh, co-hosts from the RPO podcast wrote wrote back and said, "Yeah, that wasn't a joke." I was definitely convinced that he wanted you know, <laughs> that y'all wanted him on the show, not Compton. Uh, I, I think my favorite thing that Matt Neely ever did, like the boldest thing he ever did, was he uh, made this Photoshop. But the Photoshop isn't the best part. But he made this Photoshop. And it's like some like biblical painting of like yeah, Jesus yeah, yeah. giving bread to some beggar. But he photoshopped yeah, Mariota's face yeah. and like a Hawaiian wreath onto Jesus. That's not the best part. He had Mariota sign this picture. Like <laughs> he handed this to Mariota and said, sign it. And I remember I asked him, I said, uh, I have it pulled up. I said, what did he say when you had him sign that? He said Mariota laughed, but I think Mike Keith, who's the the voice of the Titans, thought I had special needs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. Those memes were always fantastic. He was great, like
2: it sounds weird, but, like, when I'm, like, on the elliptical or doing cardio and stuff, like, I have the, like, people don't forget memes. Like, yes. those, like, the one with, like, the, like all those are just, like, ingrained into my brain. Like, th- those are so funny. Like, they're one-minute videos. Like, Sunflower, I think he had one, too, that was, like, a compilation of Mariota Throws. Like, you know, it was just, like, those things are so stuck in my head. Like, I yeah. can just remember those right now. And, you know there could be a hundred of those videos out there but for whatever reason he had the special touch of knowing like okay this is the funniest content i can make and this will stick with fans and it did like you know it, it's it's very clear to me now and it it just you know it sucks to have that kind of taken away
1: yeah and uh it's just the uh, like the voice that he had like it was it was almost as if when he spoke he spoke for titans fans and it, it's interesting I think it was a uh, uh, Friday morning, the, the morning after he passed away, I uh, we, we got a DM on the Twitter account asking if anyone knew where to go to a tailgate in Denver. Uh, and, and I was very close to typing in what I usually type in when I get a DM like that. I don't know, but I would ask Matt Neely, this is his Twitter handle. And I'm like, go oh, wait. You know, it's just like, that's who he was. He was the guy to ask... That sort of thing, too. It was like, if anybody yeah, he, will know, like, Matt Neely will know.
2: Yeah, he was he was the social glue. Uh, you know, there's so many people who, you know, I've had tweet at me and Matt Neely who, you know, wanted to know one thing or the other or, yeah. like, you know, had a joke they were saying or whatever. And it's like, after a while, you just know these certain like core four or five people in Titans Twitter. And if there's a core group, then he was at the center of that core group. So it's weird because there's nothing anybody can really do to reproduce it either. It's like he was, his voice was so unique and his emotions were so, you know, when the team was down, he was down. When the team was up, he was up. And it felt like he was, kind of the emotional barometer for the fan base as a whole.
1: And it's like, as you said, well, like when people make those tweets where they're trying to, you know, ask reporters a question, like add all these reporters, like, you know, uh you know, how's Derek Henry doing at kaharski at teron Davenport, at Buck Rising, and whatever. Matt Neely was always one of the people that got added in those tweets, like you said. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
2: it's it's just different like it's just different. He had a very specific voice and it resonated with you Know Titans fans whether they loved Mariota, whether they hated Mariota, whether they thought Ma- Brabel was a good coach, whether they thought that we should go back to Munchak like whatever weird sort of mindset you had, there was a meme out there that <laughs> Neely had made that fit that emotion. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's it's weird, man.
1: Well, he will be uh, he will be dearly missed, uh, certainly by the three of us. Our, our thoughts and prayers go out to. His family and to his girlfriend, Chelsea, and to his, uh, his compadres from the RPO podcast. And as we transition into our main topics, I can only imagine what Matt Neely would have had to say about the atrocity that took place at Mile High Stadium on Sunday. Good Lord.
0: That was, I don't know. I can't even say that was one of the worst games I've ever seen because these have become so commonplace. In, uh in Titan's lore but that was one of the worst games I've ever seen not only was it what, did we play terribly it was just so boring we weren't we <laughs> weren't really doing anything exciting on defense we we sacked Flacco one time we did get that interception uh with Bayard but it was just so so boring and our offense is I mean it's a bottom five unit in terms of points per game yards per game all that but it seems like it's even worse. If if there was a thirty third rank, I feel like I feel like this is what it would look like.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was one of the least interesting and most hurtful games I think I've ever
0: watched. This and, was, you know what? It reminded me of the Browns game from two years ago that finished nine six.
1: Yeah, except the Titans yeah, won yeah. and scored twelve points.
2: Well, well, and that was that was like Kevin Byard had like three interceptions. Yeah. And like, that, that's right. the thing is like, this game will be remembered for what we'll talk about later. But other than that, like this game will be forgotten by history. Nobody did anything interesting. Nobody had a good stat line. Like nobody had a day where they're like, wow, I'll remember this forever. Like even on the other team, like it was just boring across the board.
1: Well, I think mm-hmm. the big storyline – uh, was the the quarterback change that took place, and we'll we'll talk more about that in a second. Um, but first, well, that
2: and the Dalen Dawkins carries. I mean, yeah, I was about to Dalen.
0: say you <laughs> you were saying that there were no memorable plays, but I was going to say those two Dalen Dawkins carries <laughs>
2: light up my life.
1: It is good though that Dawkins was in ahead of Dion Lewis, who we've talked about at nauseum. So we're not going to sit and talk about how bad Lewis has been, but. It was the fluellen over Henry all over you. And it's like, this isn't working. We're, we're, we're finally going to move on from that, from the Titans' uh, point of view. Uh, I think the word to use to describe the Titans' offense, the only word to use to describe the Titans' offense, and I wrote this yesterday, it was my lead, is broken. It is broken. Top to bottom, deep wounds throughout the entirety of the offense. It is broken.
0: That's the word you've been using for a couple weeks, hasn't it? And I think it all kind of came to fruition in this game uh, for a variety of reasons. But I mean, yeah, there's no, this doesn't seem like something that could be fixed without a legitimate hard reset at several positions and particularly at at offensive coordinator. Until we see those changes, I I don't think. I mean we might have a game or two like the Falcons get what the Falcons? the Falcons are they might be the worst defense in the league right now. So I don't know yeah. if we can even point to that game and how our offense played and be like well look at what and we and can Cleveland do because too. everyone's doing it against. Them. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. I mean it's and it's bad like putting the really good positions in that game because Baker kept turning the ball over. Yeah, I mean
2: It's bad like you know broken is a good way to describe it because it's just like it doesn't work on a fundamental level like it doesn't work. It's not like the plays look good. The players aren't doing it. It's not like the players look like they are almost trying to overcome the plays. It looks like the players don't care and the play the person calling the plays is doing it with his back turned to the game. It's like he has no idea what's working and what's not. He's not, you know, there's no matchups he's trying to exploit. There's no adaptation. It's just the same thing over and over. It's the same passes to Derrick Henry that he can't catch. It's the same, you know, off-tackle runs, like, along across the formation that don't work. It's the same, you know, two-man routes and max protections, and then your guards get beat because it's hard for them to double-team guys. It's the same thing over and over. Like, the Titans lose every game the same way.
1: Mm -hmm. And because of of what the problems are and how sort of deeply rooted and ingrained they are, I don't think this is a problem that is totally fixable this year. Now, I think it can get better. I think you can put some duct tape on it in some places. But I don't think that this is going – that the Titans are going to get to the offense and be like, man, we really turned this around. And, you know, all of a sudden they're scoring, you know, 30 points a game. Like that's not going to happen. Now this is the lowest of possible lows. So we can only possibly go up from here, <laughs> from but it's zero. never going to get to be good. It's always going to be subpar. But I think you can at least get it to like a manageable point,
0: right? Well, th- so the thing right now is like there are three main issues with the offense. So one is the quarterback position. Uh, two is the offensive line and 3 is the play calling and the scheme that 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 Arthur Smith has has drawn up. I I don't know. I don't know where he got these ideas from but they but they're not working. So if you fix one of those issues, yeah, maybe we can make it more manageable, but do you guys see that happening anytime soon because I certainly don't. I mean, I don't, I don't think Mariota's is going to play this bad Every, well, or Tannehill. I, I don't know <laughs> yeah. Bill Walsh was calling the
1: plays that that's going to make Roger Saffold start blocking or, you know, Mariota not miss a well, screen pass.
2: But the problem is, is, like, you won't see the same lo- same weaknesses every week. Like, if you had somebody who understood NFL football at, at a above-average level at least, they would say, okay, this is what's hurting the team. Let's put this out there at the very least and not, like... Okay, Derrick Henry can't catch a pass. I wonder if we throw it to him twice in the first quarter if it'll help things. Like, you know, it's like, oh, we play better with the lead. It's like, okay, well, we should go out there with no real, like, screen – like, no real uh, crossing routes, nothing to, like, work the guys open underneath that can get yards after the carry. Like, we're going to try to run some curls, get into second and five, and hopefully we can convert from there. Like, it's just – it's just almost like a fundal, fundamental misunderstanding of how offense works in the NFL. It's and, and we've said this before, that it looks like if the Titans can't go on a 12-play drive to score, they can't put up a touchdown without a turnover. So like that's the problem, is it feels like the only way that Arthur Smith knows how to score in the NFL is on a 12-play drive, and then the plays where A.J. Brown makes You know, five guys miss and runs for a touchdown, or Derrick Henry takes a screen pass, you know, 75 yards or whatever the one time he catches a pass all season. Like, those plays aren't indicative of what Arthur Smith is trying to do. It's those players outperforming the scheme. And the scheme so very rarely works that at a certain point, you should realize that that doesn't need to be your scheme. But I mean, at this point, it's too late. Like, the Titans are already, you know, six games into the season. They can't change anything fundamentally now. They're bye-week getting until, what, week 11 or something? It's super late in the season. So, I mean, you you have no extra – I mean, they've already gone through their mini-bye week and didn't learn anything then. They practiced the fundamentals instead of adapting and changing their offense. So, I mean – uh, the, the, there's nothing really you can do to effectively change what's going to be called all you can do is hope that for some reason the plays that haven't worked in the past all of a sudden start working
1: and I think I think it was you Matias made the point a, a second ago that like you fix one thing and something else is going to uh, come up it's like a, what, what I was trying to make with the Bill Walsh point it's like if Bill Walsh is calling the plays it's not going to make Mario to throw an accurate screen pass but if you got you know, Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback. That's not going to make Aaron uh, uh, Arthur Smith not call a motion screen to Deion Lewis on third and four. Like all of these problems affect each other, and it's like it's all so bad. And I don't even think it's one of these things where like, oh, you know, one thing is bad, like the protection is bad, and that's just making everyone else look bad. It's like no, everything is bad, and it's compounding to be a disaster.
0: Correct. And this week, it kind of affected the running game, how badly the offensive line was playing and how bad the play calling was. I mean, Derrick Henry had 15 carries for 28 yards. He Yuck. hasn't had a game this bad in a really, in a really really long time. And, and for the first and time, it
1: wasn't his fault.
0: No, no, it was not at all. There was absolutely nowhere to run. And this was against a Broncos defense. It actually hadn't been very good at stopping the run this entire season. So They doubled like the el-
1: their sack total uh, for the whole s- <laughs> first five weeks of the season against the
3: Titans.
1: Without, without Bradley Chubb. Yes, exactly. Without, Chubbs. Chubbs.
2: Yeah, yeah, say, without their, Did Von like, Miller the even have should a sack? Uh, I don't think so. Maybe I think he, he had no, have a sack. As there said, there was one where he, like, contributed, but there was no time where he just, like, beat Taylor Wander on the edge he, and sacked the
0: quarterback. We made Derek Wolf look like prime J.J. Watt. Like what happened what was that? We speed him.
2: We sweet <laughs> that, that's that's what it's called when you make somebody look way better than they are because of bad talent. I mean I, I, I don't I don't know. Did you have more more thoughts you want to talk about or
0: No, we stink. Yeah, it's yeah, in well, it's,
2: it's the thing is
1: I, I wanna read go go ahead, Will, because I want to pull up this DM that Matias sent us before the game on Sunday. I mean, it's just like it all goes back to the
2: same thing, like before the season, like if you listen to Busting with the Boys, who you know I'm a huge fan, and you listen to the Arthur Smith episode, he he talks about you know I want to think about how a play is going to work from inside the helmet. Like I want to understand that sometimes that this guy can't block this guy, and I want to call plays so that you know they're not just number, not just X's and O's on the paper, but you know I know okay, well Khalil Mack can do this, so Taylor LeWan needs to be able to do this. Like he talks about that, and then to see him go in week in and week out. And part of it's Keith Carter's fault for not getting the offensive line ready. A large part of it is, and for whatever reason, Mike Vrabel is sure that he's the second coming of Russ Grimm and Mike Munchak. But, you know, it, the, he like they keep getting in the same predicaments where it's like, okay, you know Roger Saffold's going to give up a sack, right? Like he's done it every game he's been in so far, and sometimes it's two or three, and then – Arthur Smith is like, no, but surely if we do a seven-step drop and we leave him one-on-one with their best pass rusher, it'll be fine, right? Like, surely this time he won't get beat, and then the the rusher will go hard outside, saffold to get off balance and get bulldozed or get beaten inside or, like, won't stay with his blocker, and there'll be a defensive tackle or a stunting linebacker in the backfield, and then Mariota, whoever's the quarterback, is going to get sacked. And then it's like... Oh man. Next week when we do that play, I need to remember that this happens. The, there's no adjustment. I, we've seen that happen week in and week out. Like it's just a terrible understanding of what the Titans have on offense, where their weaknesses are and a terrible like job adapting to that.
1: Okay, so I found the messages. So oh, man.
2: <laughs> no, I lost the messages. Crap. Yeah, things like and nothing it, nothing is sacred. Basically like, I'm I, like do not talk about my messages like it, from and, the game <laughs>
1: I just remember asking if you were happy that uh, Ryan Tannehill was throwing passes to your boy, Corey Davis, finally. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I was slightly uh, happy. Uh, okay, so so here it is. Um, okay, so Matias sends us a message at 2.05, like an hour before the game, and he says, Do the Titans really have to play today? <laughs> and then yeah, Will, Will says, funny Will, like, with the perfect response, says, Allegedly. <laughs> and you say, and you say, I hope they get the doors blown off. Tbh, reset the whole franchise. But, oh my God! Did I really say that? But then yeah, the, be- like- the best part was when you said we're literally the worst team in the division, and then followed it up with Matias, quote titans facebook (laughs) wadner
0: that's what i've become that's what this team has done to me i can't think it's really all of us though right
2: yeah for those of you who don't know matthias has this weird superpower to make everything that he says in the dms come true uh he won't use that power for good like he's never wished for a winning lottery ticket or anything else but like it's always like cody sensible is gonna get an interception tonight and i'm like lol don't say that and then he like picks six as the titans or it's like like uh, I can't believe we have to watch this game. The Titans are going to lose by twelve, and I'm like, no way. And the Titans lose by like exactly twelve, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? And so like, just know that Matthias has this superpower and chooses to use it for evil all the time.
0: It's just, it's just so predictable. This team is so predictable. Yeah, you like just I know said,
3: like I said last
1: week play. when my dad was like, they're so unpredictable. I'm like, no, they're they're very very predictable. The, yeah, I could it's have just seen that going mobile. from a mile away yesterday. Now, I thought they would win. I, I predicted they would win because they had, had uh, lost the previous week, and that's just kind of their pattern. Uh, but that was not surprising at all. It wasn't like, oh, man. you know. It was like, oh, okay, I, I see this now.
0: No, it, it was just like the Bills game. We went into that game, and, and we kind of, I don't know. We, we thought it was going to be the same game as last year against the Bills, and it pretty much was.
2: So, if you told me we didn't score a touchdown against the Bills, I would believe you. Like I know we well, did, they're good. and I like I remember it. Well, no, just because like our touchdowns are so not memorable, and yeah. they're so like they're so very little to get excited about. That even when we score a touchdown, I'm like, yeah, but they can't do that twice. Like it's like it, it, who
0: cares? Like let me tell you, I do not remember the Bills touchdown. I it assume it was Derrick Henry. Bush. Yeah, like okay, that's, yeah. that's what they all are, right? It's like right. Derrick
2: Henry or A.J. Brown beats, a, like, has a crazy individual effort to score a touchdown.
1: Yeah. So, uh, again, we'll, t- we'll talk more about the quarterback stuff in just a minute. I kind of want to get all that out of the way at once. That aside, because we talked about you can make it better, though you can't fix it. If you are Mike Vrabel, what is the first thing you do? What, what is the first change you make outside of changing the quarterback? Because that's probably going to happen.
0: Well, okay. Well, he should have made this this decision a while ago, but I think Keith, I Carter has to go. Yeah. Keith Carter has to go. Keith Carter has to go. This O-line is progressively getting worse. They're not improving in any area. They can't protect, protect whoever is back there at quarterback. And players that have been good in the nfl look like bad bad blockers that doesn't happen overnight that that that's not a a personal thing even though Brabel wants to tell you it's an execution thing these players are being put into positions to fail and and they're failing so the o-line coach has to go i mean the the the
2: right answer is if you're mike Brabel, the first thing you do is quit because you don't have the answers and you've, you know, your guys that you've stood on the table for aren't doing their job. I mean, your hand-picked guys and Arthur Smith and Keith Carr. First of all, the only new coach on the staff is the tight end coach, Todd Downing. Downing? Downing. Downing, I think is right. I think we had this exact same conversation last week. We did. (laughs) We did. So, like, the Titans looked at, this, sorry, not the Titans, Vrabel looked at this offense and with the with the option of, okay, your offensive coordinator's leaving, you can bring in a new offensive coordinator and completely retool things if you didn't like how last year went, you can go more aggressive, you can hire a new position coach if you don't think they're coached correctly, and then you can just restart this year. So faced with that decision, he said, no, I know we were the worst, one of the worst scoring offenses in the league last year, but – my solution is I'm gonna promote somebody who's never had offensive coordinator experience and I'm gonna make him the offensive coordinator and then I'm gonna bring in a tight ends coach from another organization to be a tight ends coach here and then we'll just roll the dice again because I think surely these coaches can get more out with Arthur Smith as coordinator. So yes. that that's like so like I'm I'm being sarcastic when I say that Vrabel should quit. But the first thing, the first decision he should make is to like fire the coaches that he's already stuck with. But he won't. Like Keith Carter is the obvious option because he's he is taking Pro Bowl talents. Uh, he, sorry, a, a Pro Bowl talent, Taylor Lewan, an All Pro and healthy, in Jack Conklin and Roger Saffold, who was a second team All Pro I think in 2017 and was really good last year. And he's taken them. And even if like, even if you think that they're given poor effort, they are also poorly coached. So he's taking the bad parts of the offense and making them worse. So he should be gone, but the problem is bigger than that. The problem is a lack of understanding of who you have as coaches on the roster.
0: Well, yeah, so, I, think, I
1: think you nailed it. Go ahead, Matias. No, Go ahead, follow that up, Matias.
0: The thing is, the thing that, that that is really bothering me is the fact that Arthur Smith was even hired. Because what credibility did he really have to be an offensive coordinator in the NFL?
1: I mean, everybody ate up the continuity thing that they were selling. and It's our fault. It's our fault.
2: We we knew that was stupid. We knew and we talked about that it was stupid that to pro- promote from within. We ended up, buying, up long, buying long-term into the idea that he could take the best parts of the offense that worked and that he was smart enough and that he'd spend enough time with these guys to really understand that, okay, this is how you use player X, this is how you don't use player X, when – when on paper we convinced ourselves, but that wasn't
0: ever what he was promised to be, and it wasn't ever what he showed. From what I remember, we weren't very thrilled with the hire. I will, will I don't think you were you were very excited
3: about me, it. Either. I
1: thought it was the I, I didn't think it was a bad decision necessarily. I don't know that I thought it was their best uh, option. I, I forget it's been so long. I can't really remember who I wanted them to go get. I know I had a name in mind. I just can't really remember. Yeah. Uh, like,
2: I'll, I'll be honest, like, like so just so we're not, like, I'm rewriting history to, like, to make it look like I'm right, I wanted them to have uh, Freddie Kitchens. Like, I wanted them to make oh, him yeah, play yeah. for Freddie yeah. Kitchens because I thought he wouldn't stick around as – because you never hire the interim coaches, Cleveland's proven
0: right now. Like, or Monkin. I think we could, wanted Monkin also. Yeah.
2: Like, one of those guys. I, like, I'll tell you exactly what I wanted is I looked at uh, Justice Mosqueda, who we talked about before the podcast. He has, like, a little, like – He has a list of the quarterback whisperers, quote unquote, and it's like 30 something guys. And he has them ranked in terms of the improvements on offense they've made in their passing game when he when those guys took over the play calling. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a pretty long list. And I think I sent it to you guys in the DMs uh, today, but it's just basically like these are the guys who you can put a quantitative number on and say, okay, these guys improved their offense the most when they were hired. And it's guys like Jim Caldwell who we talked about earlier. It's guys you yes. didn't necessarily think but history has shown that they actually like do a good job. So like even if you don't agree with the idea of their reputation, the numbers say that they're the right hire. So anybody from that list would have been fine. And I'll I'll tweet that list out later. I think I retweeted it this morning, y'all can find it yeah, on my timeline.
1: A few things on that note will obviously, you know, that's not something you can do in season. You cannot Run a new offensive scheme in the middle of the season. It's just not possible. Um number two, I certainly think that moving forward, assuming that the disastrous Titans offense continues the way it's been going, I think you admit the mistake on the Arthur Smith experiment and go get yourself a failed head coach who's a proven play caller to be your offensive coordinator. But back to this question of what would I do now? Uh, I, I agree with you, will. Uh, and, and Matias, that I would I would cut the cord with Keith Carter. Look, he, he, he's a nice guy. I, I know they like him. But here's the problem. I think you nailed it, Will, when you said, like, it's not like he's working with Will Svitek and, and, and four other Jamil Douglases. He's working with Taylor lawan and Jack Conklin, a former three-time All-Pro, and a uh, three-time Pro Bowler, first-team All-Pro. Uh, Roger Saffold, who just last year was second-team All-Pro, Ben Jones, who's a more-than-serviceable center, and I'll admit, right guard's a weak spot. Nate Davis, the rookie, not really doing it. Kevin Pomfield hadn't played, whatever. Uh, And he's making them not good. Again, it's not like it's Will (laughs) Speed and Jamil Douglas. It's these talented players that are not doing their job. And when I keep hearing, not executing, not executing, not executing, I'm like, okay, it's becoming not a player problem, it's becoming a coach problem. Will firing him fix anything? No. Will firing him hurt anything? Definitely not. Will firing him maybe get a fire going in the belly and send the team a message that we mean business and and uh, you know we uh, we we are a meritocracy and if you don't do your job you're gone. Yes, I think it can do that. So I think that that is the move I would make if I made a move right now. And you're right on Arthur well, Smith. Like I said a few weeks ago, it, it, we are seeing a concoction of all of the coaches that have come before him—the Wizenhunt, the, the Lafleur, the—you know—Jason uh, <laughs> Michael, all these guys.
2: Which I don't think that's my quote. Like I think I, I brought that up, but I think like that's something that y'all have talked about. Like I didn't even think about that until y'all brought it up. Is like, yeah, like you know, w- like I thought like optimistically that I'd been sold on. Okay, like you know, th- he's going to bring out the best parts. But what he did is he just was an average of all their playbooks which they all happen to be bad so of course the average is going to be bad um one thing i want to talk about is it vrabel always says that it's a production business like he talks about you know we're in a, we're in the results business like you know after a loss it's so hard to point to what's going well and blah 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 but at the same time like the result for the offensive lineman has been trending downward for two years, corresponding to one hire under two different offensive coordinators. So you've used two different versions of the same scheme, but the same offensive line coach and the line has gotten worse despite them being talented two years ago under Russ Grimm, And despite Roger Saffold being a good player last year on another team that, that supposedly runs the same scheme. So, and right guard is special because you were supposed to have Kevin Pantfield there and you've got a guard and Nate Davis, who's supposed to be a developmental guy who maybe came in later in the year and played, but who for the most part was supposed to be a 2020 guy who had high upside. If he was coached well, now it's safe to say that with Keith Carter, there's 0% chance he's going to get better. Um, And with, like with the way the offensive line's going now, you risk like him getting into bad habits and like messing up his leverage and just completely forgetting anything he's been coached to do early. So I mean, I, I don't I don't know what more Carter would have to do to get fired. Like I guess he could go out there himself and allow a sack, but other than that, he's allowed I think Probably the five worst offensive line performances that the Titans have had in the last five years, and they've all been in the last two years under him. So, I, I I don't know. At a certain point, if you're really convinced that your business is about results, and then you keep getting this result week in and week out,
0: something has to change. It's it's also the. The easiest political move you could possibly make, or PR move, that you can make if you're Mike Vrabel. You fire the O-line coach, and everyone, all the fans are going to be like, wow, great move. And then that, they'll get back on your side. I saw a tweet last week after the uh, after the Buffalo game
1: from a Titans fan, and it was just a picture of, of Keith Carter's like bio on the team's website. And it was like, I found him! This is public enemy number one! Let's get him! Yeah, yeah
0: well well it's, we it is a picture funny, of his like, bio also didn't i at some point <laughs> maybe it was well, your burner account
1: it, nah, it, who? The, the The time has finally come for us to have the conversation that i think we all kind of knew we would have at some point this season the ryan tannehill has replaced marcus mariota conversation uh, so, so, so we're going to talk about uh what we would have done if we were Mike Vrabel, if we would have done the same thing, what we would do moving forward with that situation and just analyze what's happened to Moriota and what the problem is. Uh, But first uh, we're going to share with you a quick word from one of our lovely sponsors. So take a listen. All right. So now we're going to get into this quarterback discussion. And I think it's only appropriate that we let will open this up uh, because (laughs) I I think your narrative died on Sunday. Will. I don't know. Where do you stand on Marcus Mariota, who was removed shortly into the third quarter when he threw his second interception of the game, a game in which he played the worst game of his career, I'll say. It was awful.
2: Uh, I mean, it's truly unfair to have an American icon fall like that. But, you know, if that's what your coach wants to do, (laughs) no. I mean, so here's the thing. I think we all knew going into the season that it was going to be tough for Mario to, to succeed no matter what, just because of the offensive coordinator change. Again, you know, we, we had hopes that the offensive line would be better, but a lot like the Tennessee Balls offensive line until I see, I see it. It's hard for me to believe, even if there's like word that it's better this year or whatever. So, I think we all had concerns, but having said that, like I thought he would be much better this year. I I will, I will fully say that I thought he was going to have a great year. I thought two touchdowns a game seemed like a good baseline for him. And, you know, through four weeks of the season, that seemed like it might be true. You know, then they started playing really tough defenses and, you know, there weren't as many layups and it just progressed from there. But I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I think what's going to happen, and maybe this is just like the Schadenfreude in me that wants to kind of see like other Titans fans who (laughs) disagree with me suffer, but like I feel like what's going to happen is Mariota's going to leave and he's going to like kind of like Teddy Bridgewater did. He's going to leave in free agency. He's going to go somewhere else. He's going to sit and he's going to be a valued commodity and people are going to be like, okay, you know, he did well in the preseason and then he came in one game when. Let's say the New England Patriots were ahead by thirty, and he threw two touchdown passes. Maybe we need to consider him, and then he's going to get traded, or he's going to get, you know, something will happen where he ends up starting again, and he's going to start an offense with, you know, a decent offensive line and some decent weapons, and he's going to look much better than he looks now because he won't have been in the fire for so long, and people are going to see closer to 2016 Mariota than what we've seen the last two years. So, I mean. Three the narrative years. that he couldn't be – oh, that's true. Um, so the narrative that he – because I forget to count this year, um, The narrative that he can be, like, the Titans quarterback, that that is dead. Like, he's not going to be the Titans quarterback. There's no point in pretending that he's going to be the Titans quarterback. It doesn't make any sense long term. You know, it, it – he just doesn't it doesn't fit with the way the season's going, and contractually they've run out of chances. But the idea that he can be a starter somewhere eventually isn't dead. But yeah, like I, I will fully admit that this has been a very disappointing season, and I expected to see more.
1: See, see, this is where I, I disagree with you. I just think he's done. I think he's washed. I think he is mentally toast. And I I I talked last night uh, with a couple of Titans people on Twitter fans. Uh, That I respect the very most. Uh, uh, Titans Film Room was one of them. Uh, And they both agreed with the opinion that Mariota is shell-shocked, he is mentally defeated, and that he is just not the quarterback that Will, you, and that really I, and you, Matias, and so many others fell in love with after 2016. Because that season, he was an assassin. He was quick. He was decisive. He used his legs well. He manufactured explosive plays. And over the last two full seasons and and the first six weeks of this one, it's been gone. It's nowhere to be found. And I don't know if that had anything to do with the injury or with bringing in Matt LaFleur or whatever. I, I don't know. But it happened is all I know, and it's time for the Titans to admit that that's happened. Bring in Ryan Tannehill and prepare to move in a totally new direction in 2020.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I think it was just a bunch of things altogether. The offensive line being bad, him being sacked so much, all the injuries, having five offensive coordinators, Five offensive coordinators in as many years. I think all of that combined kind of has contributed to this. And, and I agree, he he is not even close to the same guy. Uh, I at one point in this game, um, he he was in the pocket. He was trying to scramble, and he literally just walked right into a defender at the line of scrimmage. And it was just weird because I've I've never seen him do stuff like that. And it, it's very clear that he's lost a lot of confidence. In his, in himself, in in the players around him, and, and it is translated pretty clearly to his play. That said, I I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's starting a, on a different team next year because I still think he's incredibly talented. I don't think he, he he's never going to be a top ten quarterback in the NFL, uh, but I think he could be. He could go on a very very similar career path to Alex Smith who uh, had a terrible Niners career to start off his career, but then goes to Kansas City. He goes under Andy Reid. Uh, he limits his turnovers. He makes really good throws, and he looks the best that that he ever had in his career. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if that happens to Mariota. And Matthias, if he I goes, think, and he won't. Go ahead.
1: I, I just think you make a – we talk about the mental stuff, but it's it's becoming more than just the mental stuff because, yes, he's shell-shocked, and, yeah, like you he said, he, he ran into that sack – but middle stuff doesn't explain why he can't hit Derrick Henry on a screen, why he can't hit Delaney Walker on a short breaking route on third down and four, uh, why he's throwing mind-bending interceptions still, uh, why he can't throw from a proper base. But this is also one base. game. That's, that's what happened well But, Will, it's not just one game. He's been doing this yeah. for the last three years. the, the- Maybe not no, the like, inaccuracy but the last... trouble, but how often have we heard, you know, Mariota's working on throwing from a better base. Mario's working on on figuring out when he gets to get, we needs to get rid of the football. He's he's working on, on this and that. And eventually it's just like, okay, you've been working and working and working, and it's not getting anywhere. Like, he is no better now than he was two years ago in the last year of Robisky. In fact, he's much worse. Because you know what? He, he he sort of spearheaded them to a playoff win in his last year with Robisky, right? And that's not going to happen again. Yeah, I, I mean, I
2: guess my I big agree. concern yeah. is that you're like – it, it, my big concern is that you're like, "Well, he's throwing these mind-bending interceptions." Well, he threw two interceptions in like for the whole season and they both happened yesterday. And they threw one to Darius Jennings, which was a 50-50 ball that he should never have thrown to Darius Jennings, but Darius Jennings should never have been the one on the route anyway. So like, and I'm not I'm not saying that this is a like Mariota's completely absolved, but the idea that he's it, what he is is he's a conservative quarterback he's not going to be somebody who throws for three touchdowns more than once in a season maybe twice if he's like assisted like he was in the first in the like the first game of the season but i mean that would be like if i talked about him after the atlanta game and i was like he's an assassin again look at how he carved up the falcons defense it's like yeah like he had a crappy game and overall his year has not been good but the idea that he's throwing like bad interceptions and that he's like been completely terrible the whole year I don't I don't necessarily agree with that I think there's plays where he's been good I think there's a lot more where he's been bad and I think that his time as a starter in Tennessee is done because he needs to take a a different role somewhere for a year first kind of like Mattia said he needs to go somewhere with a good offensive coordinator who can kind of make the most out of nothing but I, I don't I don't think that this idea that he's been like cost in the Titans game. Well, I'll put it this way. We're about to find out that he wasn't the reason the Titans were losing games when Tannehill comes in and the offense still doesn't work. But the way he lost games is not fun to watch because it's very conservative. And like I said, it leads to those 12-play drives.
1: Everything you just said is correct, except that last part when you said when he leaves, we're going to find out that he wasn't the reason the Titans were losing games. I, in fact, I'm not going to say it's wrong. It needs context. As we were saying earlier, this isn't a situation where it's like, well, the pass protection's bad, so you know that makes everyone else worse. Oh, Arthur Smith is bad. Stuff. Like, everything can be bad, and it is. <laughs> yeah, Marcus is bad. The offensive line is bad. The receivers aren't getting separation. They're not quite bad. There have been some flashes in the pan, I guess. Uh, the play calling has been bad. Like, all of those things are not mutually exclusive and they're all true.
0: So, I have, I want to pose a question to you guys. So, of the four losses, um, which ones do you think we would have won if we had gotten average level play from the For, quarterback position? Definitely the Colts game
1: uh, yeah. and the Broncos mm-hmm. game.
0: Broncos and Colts. Okay. So, but not the Bills and Jaguars. Uh, no, no Bills I, Jaguars I, I think, were I think too the, I think He was fine, team. right? Yeah, he was fine. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you guys.
2: Yeah, that sounds fine. Like, I mean, that that all sounds true. Like, but I mean, I guess like my only thing is like, I don't think we're about to get average play from Tannehill. So, no, that is
0: not what I was angling at at all. Yeah, at all. Dude, that that I, we're, and, I well, know we're gonna, now I you're gonna. <laughs> but, but I really don't want to. <laughs> Yeah.
1: So so, so uh, as we record this podcast, we, we don't currently know who is going to start for the Titans. We're recording on Monday evening. So theoretically, on Wednesday morning, there could be an announcement. I kind of doubt that there's going to be an announcement. Um, but let's talk about both scenarios. I think the most likely scenario and the one that makes the most sense uh, would be that Tannehill is still out there, and is the starter moving forward barring injury or just absolutely dreadful performance? Uh, what are the implications of that, do you think, this this first
0: scenario? That Tannehill starts this game? Yeah. The implications? Uh, I don't know. I mean, are, are him and Mariota all that much different? I really don't think... I really don't think... Putting in Tannehill is going to spike your your chances of winning this game, uh, although the Chargers will, will probably just hand us the game as it is because they're the Chargers and that's what they do. If we want if we want to look at it from an implication of Mariota going forward, I, I, I we talked about this earlier in the season. I think uh, that I, I don't think going to Tannehill necessarily means that that Mariota is just going to completely you know put it in the tank from a mental standpoint i i, I don't think well, no. it would be that way and, and if and if Hill does start this game i, I would and if he plays bad uh, i mean I, I i wouldn't be surprised at all if maria Mariota comes in in this game or even starts next week
2: how do you think so
0: yeah i I mean, if I'm, if I'm
2: Mariota, I'm telling the coaches, I don't I said, don't play me unless Tannehill's hurt. I mean, he won't because he's a nice I'll guy. never,
0: never do that.
2: But if I, I mean, if I'm him, I'm calling my agent and I'm saying, look, I'll stay on the team. I'm not going to make a fuss. Do not put me back out there because you've shown me that I'm not the future here. So I'm going to try to stay healthy. I know I'm an injury risk. That's I'm staying healthy and I'm fine with the team. No, it, no, it's not. But like if, if if he had somebody else making the decisions for him if his dad or his mom like called like this is what the agent would tell him is like look marcus doesn't need to play another game they're not going to give him a deal it doesn't matter what happens he's put, you know he is who he is unless they like all of a sudden he has like a 10% game and he has like two or three of those back to back to back which he's not going to do so his best bet is to stay healthy and to sell himself this off season as a high end quarterback 2 with long term upside so if I'm Mariota, I'm like, Y'all have fun with Tannehill. Like, I'm done. Like, and like I said, he won't do that, but he should. That's that's what the Titans organization deserves is they've kind of said, Okay, we're moving on, and he should also move on. So it's it's what Jalen Ramsey should do with the Jags. Like, he wants out. He should not step back on the field and jeopardize his future, just like Mariota shouldn't either. So I, I mean As for the original question, like what are the implications? Implications uh, to me are that you're going to get more of everything. You're going to get more exciting plays. You're going to get much more bad plays. You're going to get more kind of running into sacks. You're going to get more interceptions. You're going to get more catches for guys, for the receivers who go downfield and want those 50-50 balls like Corey Davis and A.J. Brown, which is great. Um, And you're going to get more frustration. Like the defense is going to be mad because – they're not in a position where they've had to deal with short fields too often. And when they have, they've given up points. And it's not their fault, but for a pristine defense that's, you know, top five in the NFL right now in points, they're gonna their numbers are going to go the other way because the offense has given the other team's defense too many opportunities to make plays. So I think that if there's a rift in the locker room with people supporting Mariota already and people supporting Tannehill, I think that rift gets bigger. I think the locker room becomes untenable at a certain point if Tannehill's not winning games, which I don't think he will. I, I think don't it, know
1: about that.
2: Well, I mean, it, the, well, I'll put it this way. Miami wanted him gone so badly that they paid most of his contract and still gave us some picks back, <laughs> even though we traded him a fourth-round pick this year. Last, I mean, you know, they, Guys, they, I lit.
0: Like, I, li- I lived in Miami. I, I'm around Dolphins fans all the time. They they hated Tanio.
2: Yeah, was I think they exactly, like There's Miami fans at the gym, and they felt they came up to me and apologized when they trade when the trade happened. And I was like, I was my like, friends no. did the was,
3: same thing.
2: Yeah, I was like, no, it's cool. Like we got him for cheap, and they're like, no, like if y'all have to start him, like it's, it's gonna be it's so frustrating. And I'm like, oh, I'm like really? Like <laughs> I'm like that's not fun. So I mean. It's going to be bad, and it's going to be a different brand of bad, and we're going to blame a lot of different people between now and the end of the year. But hopefully we win zero games and we can worry about drafting a quarterback yeah, so we and, don't have to deal with this next
1: year. And look, in terms of the, the ramifications of, of this potential decision, like you guys said, I don't know that this is going to make them any better you know, to, to, per se. Uh, but like I said earlier, and like I've written a lot and have just pounded the table with, When things aren't going right, you cannot just sit around and say, well, I just don't know if this would work. I just just don't know if this would do anything. You have to change something, okay? And this is the one that makes the most sense to start with. Next, you can go from here to firing the offensive line coach, and then maybe that's what you do in season, and then after the season you do some more stuff to try to get it fixed. But you can't just sit here and say, well, it's all going to come together someday, you know, because it's not. That's like, you know, Einstein's definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and seeing and expecting the same result. Like Mike Vrabel cannot fall into that trap. And I applaud the Titans for finally making a move. Is this the right move? Maybe, maybe not. But at least they're making one, you know?
2: I, I agree. They should fight, fire Mike Vrabel. You're right.
1: Was <laughs> oh, that not what you said?
2: Hot. Sorry, I mis- cake. I, mis- I, mis- I misunderstood. Like when you said, like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, and we're going to expect him to pick the right offensive coordinator this
0: year. In our next segment, should we'll, we talk will will about is-
1: it? I don't, no, I'm not doing. No,
0: that. we're not. Ta- we're not doing the. Vrabel. I can't. Okay, cool. No, I, we'll, I, we'll, I say we'll do, no. Yeah, we'll obviously, do. I'm on the fence. Well,
2: to be, to be fair, like Luke does have to actually see him from time to time. So it's easy for me to talk two and a half hours away from big Mike Vrabel, who is a large yeah. human. I, I'm stuff. in South like, Florida.
0: I, I can say whatever I
2: yeah, want. Yeah. Let, yeah, let me tell you. Like Mike Vrabel is very intimidating as a human. And I do not want to be on his bad side if I have to see him regularly. But if we're just being completely honest, I think he's done a bad job as the head coach of the Titans. I think his in-game decisions are bad. And I think his personnel decisions have been bad. So just just from a like, should we fire Mike Vrabel today? My vote would be yes. That can still be changed. He did enough good in his first year, where I can still be convinced that that might not be the best option. But I, I've said enough times that I think you have to pair a good offensive mind with a young quarterback, and you can't do it any other way if you want to
1: succeed. So, so I, I go ahead, Matias.
0: I know we said we didn't want to have the conversation, but <laughs> and I know he. I get it. We did okay last year. Nine and seven was fine, but we weren't very good. And the only reason we went nine and seven was because we played the Jets, the Jaguars, the Giants, and the Redskins in the last month of the season. So I don't know, man. I'm I'm very well, very skeptical still. Here here's what I'll say. I'll say two things. Number
1: one, we're we're six weeks into the season. Okay, Let, let's let's hold off on the fire of the coach because again, this uh, uh, yes, he's failing at going from good to great. Uh, it's still a little too early for me. I will ask this question, though, as our final topic of the episode sure. before we get to Stop the Nonsense. Um, I had this written down the the way I want to ask it. Uh, is, are, are we overreacting to one game? Uh, b- because that was what a lot of people accused me of after the Colts game with Mariota when I was like, I'm done with him. I, I'm like, I'm done. And people are like, well, you're overreacting to one game. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not overreacting to one game. I'm reacting to five years. Are we overreacting to say that the offense is broken after watching yesterday? And I feel like, you know, they might come out against the Chargers and, and look okay and win. And, oh, you overreact. It was just one game. I just feel like it's not. Like, any game. Any good things that come from this group is going to be duct tape or something that just delays the problem, you know?
0: I, I mean, how many times are we going to ask if we're overreacting? We've had two games where we've scored seven points and one game where we scored zero points. That's not an we've overreaction. Had, and it's yeah, not yeah, just the points, though. It's how it looks. Year. Right.
2: Yeah, right. but like, let's let's talk about actual shutouts. Like, we've had two shutouts in a calendar year. I don't know if there's any other team in the NFL who's right? done that. I know. I don't even I think know. The Dolphins... Only. I think I know only Miami is the the only other team who's had a shutout this year on offense. Well, so I will
1: say like, this, Matt LaFleur is a heck of a lot better than Arthur Smith.
0: Uh well, he is an offensive coordinator. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it,
2: without Aaron Rodgers, I don't know. Like if. If you think Aaron Rodgers and Marcus Mariota are on the same in the same league, then you're probably I, right. I'll just ask ben this question: or,
1: Was the Titans' offense better? Was the Titans' offense better last year or this year?
2: They're bad. Both. Like I get. Like okay. So were
0: they better last that, year? I'm not sure. I man. To
2: say like they weren't. Like they didn't have two thirty-point games last year, or I get a thirty-point game and a uh, twenty-four whatever point game. 25. Like I don't think they had the highs that they did last year, but. <laughs> Like, like I said, they also – like they had a shutout last year, and the, the offense really didn't show anything at all worthwhile until December when Derrick Henry decided to go crazy. So,
0: man, yeah, I don't, that not know. That, that, de- that was definitely sustainable, let me tell you.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it, you know, and through, through no fault of Henry's – like Henry's tried. They just yeah. keep taking the ball away from him. So, I mean, the question is is, like if we're asking, do we have the worst offensive coordinator in the NFL or the second worst – between Matt LaFleur, uh, I guess like I guess Matt LaFleur is, is currently doing better in Green Bay as the head coach of Aaron Rodgers than Arthur Smith is doing in Tennessee with uh, Marcus Mariota. We haven't seen him with Tannehill yet. So, I mean, I guess like by that token, like I would rather have the Green Bay offense as a whole than the Titans offense as a whole. But I think if you ask Green Bay fans, and I think if you ask Titans fans, like, are they excited about either one of them? Both of them would rather roll the dice on somebody different than try to double down on what they're doing right now.
1: Okay. So we're going to close this episode out as we close out every single episode of the no nonsense podcast with our stop the nonsense segment, where we read the worst takes from the sports world of the week. It's how we, uh, it's how we hold each other accountable on this show. So will if you would like to start, kick us off.
2: Yeah, so uh, I tweeted out this morning that uh, on Monday morning that, you know, AJ Brown had a quote about how he was, you know, very distraught after the game and uh, how he was, like, embracing Mariota in the locker room and kind of talking about how emotional it was. And I tweeted out, you know, I was like, you know, this is, you know, it's heartbreaking to see because you can tell that the rest of the team feels like they've let Mariota down. They clearly support him. You know, it sucks because. Mariota's been through so much physically, and you know you have to feel heartbroken for the guy Like after all of this. And somebody uh, like the responses were mixed. There were obviously some people who supported the idea and some people who would for some reason just rather kill Mariota rather than feel any sort of empathy towards him, which I guess it's Twitter like you expect that. But this guy, never quit 116, tweeted me, and he said, Heartbreaking my ass. We need a new quarterback and a new offensive coordinator. Dot, dot, dot. I'm trading for Cam Newton. Okay. Well, first of all, like, I don't have anything against Cam Newton. Like, I'm not one of those weird, like, social activist people who are like, you can't be happy when you do cool things or whatever. Like, whatever. Like, you know, the old saying is like, if you don't want to deal with it, stop me from getting in the end zone. But uh, I will say that when we could see Cam Newton this year, it looked like his throwing arm was dead. I mean, it looked like he could no longer do the job of functioning quarterback. So I went and looked him up, and he only has one year where he's had a two-to-one or better touchdown interception ratio. And that was his MVP year when they were really good. And if you look throughout his history, it's really a pretty disappointing career. And so, you know, I was like, okay. I was like, you know, he hadn't really had any good years. And the guy responded and said, you know, uh... If, if we had a healthy Cam Newton, what would our record be now? And our response was, I don't know. I haven't seen a healthy Cam Newton in half a decade. Mm-hmm. And his response was, we talking about a former league MVP leading us with our stingy defense. I like that better than drafting a quarterback unless we get the Clemson guy. So, okay, again, hadn't been an MVP in half a decade and the Clemson guy is a sophomore. He's not draft eligible. Trevor Lawrence is not draft eligible. So my stop the nonsense is if you're going to argue about quarterbacks you would trade for or decisions you would make, and this goes for all Titans fans now as we're slowly transitioning into this part of our, you know, fandom, you need to know who is legally allowed to be drafted and who is good and who's just a big name who's been bad for five years. So that's my stop the nonsense.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm one of the bigger Cam Newton fans there is, but he looked he look terrible this year. And Kyle like, Allen came in, and he looked like he could actually throw a football. Yeah, so, like
2: Jason Garrett or whoever was like, uh, Kyle Allen's harder, harder for us to stop than Cam Newton. And I'm like, what a jerk, I can't believe he said that. And then you look at the games, it's like, oh no, they're yeah. significantly better under Kyle Allen than they are Cam Newton.
0: And if you thought Mariota was inaccurate in that Broncos game, you're in for, for a pleasant surprise yeah. with Cam Newton.
2: Yeah, go go look up the uh, Rams game to start the season or the Tampa Bay game the second week of the season. Yeah. I mean, if you're mad about, like, Mariota skipping passes to Corey Davis, I mean, he's skipping passes to, like, the the like field goals, like, the post. Like, it's just, it's not even close to anybody, and it's, like, 30 yards short. It's terrible.
0: Yeah. That said, Cam Newton has a backup. Yes, would love that. So Perfect. for so for, so for my stop the nonsense, uh, it, it's a it's a weird one because it's the Titans' social media by, by itself. Uh, usually, the Titans have outstanding social media. They do a really good job uh, ever since uh, this new era, new new like they, they took over a couple of years ago. But yesterday and today, they they made a couple of really weird, curious decisions. So yesterday in the middle of the game on their Instagram account, uh, they put a picture of Ryan Tannehill, and they they added him, and they were like, Tannehill takes over quarterback. That is really weird, man. I, I, I sent it to you guys in the DMs <laughs> y- yesterday when it happened, and I'm like, why would they do this? What do they gain from this at all? It's like you're undermining Marcus Mariota, your starting quarterback, and you're like kind of excited that Tannehill's taken over. Uh, or you're just trying to get more likes, which is the likely answer. And then we kind of got the answer today because on Twitter, they put out an article from themselves, which said, well, the headline said, Titans to decide between quarterbacks Marcus Moriota and Ryan Tannehill. Decision in the next 24 hours. The Lady <laughs> Walker, <Delaney> Walker himself <laughs> responded, and he's like, LMAO. Why would you post that? And you wonder why the fans act the way they do. I mean, talk about a curious decision. I, I don't know why you're hyping up a quarterback battle on your own team.
1: Because uh, that really implies crazy. that you have failed at something. Yeah.
0: Right? It's it's like it's like you're saying but Mari- we don't we don't even like Mariota. Look at this amazing QB it, it, battle. It would be different I, if it, it was like, like just you know, a
1: play. preseason quarterback battle. and It's like find out tomorrow. Like I get it, but like I don't
0: know. Like with an exciting rookie, maybe. Yeah, that's, yeah that's Mariota that's, and that's, Tannehill.
1: That's, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> If it's a guy you're committed to for longer than the next ten games, or something like th- that, has some indicator that he's going to be your future, not just like, "Wow, check it! Our backup quarterback's going to go in." Aren't y'all pumped? And yeah, like, <laughs> the, the no. two
1: the two best responses I saw was was Joe Rexroad from the Athletic. He tweeted, "This picture and presentation make it feel like they were trying to say QB decision coming. Get pumped. Tighten up." <laughs> and then the other good one was from uh, Alex Doherty, who covers the Predators for us at, at A to Z Sports. He said, that tweet felt like it was one step away from retweet for Tannehill, favorite for Mariota. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's <laughs> rough. Uh, so um, my uh, stop the nonsense is actually something uh, that occurred a couple of years ago. Uh, I'm, I'm holding a grudge against this. I was looking back the other day after after Matt Neely passed away at my uh, Twitter interactions with him over the years, and I stumbled upon a, a picture that I sent him in a conversation that I found from the Titans Facebook group. So hashtag Titans Facebook. This was right before the Titans got the doors blown off of them by the Houston Texans in one of the most one-sided games I've ever seen them play. <laughs> This dude named James Moore. And this is right after Houston had suffered the tragic Hurricane Harvey. Due to recent disasters, I hate to say this, but if them Texans think Hurricane Harvey was something, wait till they see Hurricane Mariota.
0: <laughs> that might be the worst tweet of all time. <laughs> yeah, true I can't, man, I can't do in, like that. in so many ways. Yeah. Oh, man. It's not as good as bye-bye, though. I, yeah, bye-bye bye is it. pretty <laughs>
1: better. <laughs> and it happened again this week because I tweeted bye bye. I know.
0: Because uh, Finch
1: and, uh, and Wake were out, so it was like, bye. <laughs> to who? Yeah, the, the pass Titans. rush.
2: If you're doing some sort of weird drinking game where we talk about Harold Landry being dropped into coverage all game, mm-hmm. then drink now because they just played him at pure off-ball linebacker for stretches, which was fun
1: it was a good week for us stupidity on, uh,
0: on social media. Yes. Names oh. that shall never be named on this, on this yes. podcast. Uh,
1: yeah. we'll be back next week. Uh, maybe it won't be quite as big a disaster against the, uh, the LA chargers for us to have to talk about. Uh, but if it is, we'll be back and, uh, we will, uh, we'll, we'll hand it to them like we always do. So, uh, until then, uh, let us know what you think about the, uh, Titans quarterback situation. Did they make the right choice making the move? Did they need to stick with Tannehill moving forward? Let us know on Twitter, at no nonsense pod. On Facebook, also, at no nonsense pod. Uh, we'll see you next week. Until then, for Matthias and Will, I am Luke, reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense.
3: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator